there's people out <laughs> there knows. that are doing oh, yeah. the ASMR I, thing on my... Twitch where they're just kind of licking ear microphones. Oh, uh, ear eating's the best. Yeah, they're, they're, like, exactly. Tap my ear eating the microphone. And I'm like, this doesn't belong here. Because if you ask yourself, what is the definition of pornography? Not, can you identify porn? What's the actual definition? To me, it's content made to masturbate to. If you, if you, if your content in any way falls under that umbrella, it probably belongs in a place with other content that also falls under that umbrella. Yeah, I'm gonna have to call fair. the Godzilla guys because I was jerking off that whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> it was not intended for that though. That's that's the difference. Like you say that, but you you know they knew it was happening. Okay, sure. When they made they Godzilla, gave, they knew they, they were making porn. They gave me a porn. sheet when I walked in the theater. <laughs> They give you like, a sheet. Keep it covered. Yeah, keep it covered. Oh, to keep yourself covered. Oh, okay. I thought you meant to mop it up. You, you meant to keep it covered. Yeah. That that's fair. No, it wasn't a sheet of how to masturbate. <laughs> Instructions laid out step by step. <laughs> Don't hit the person in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> it's the big one. That's how they got Pee Wee. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of Bright Guy and the Super Friends. I'm your host, Brian Labick. Joining me for this episode is Twitch's own Tyrannus, Mike Bradley. He didn't introduce me as Darth Pooh or Darth Pool that time. That's uh, that's a first. Darth Pool is dead time. and gone, right? So we're we're moving on. <laughs> I think I just think it's the first time you've ever actually let it go and didn't have to remind me of Darth Pooh, and here I am reminding myself, but Yeah, see, you're just hammering it home. You just won't let it die. Well, no, I'm gonna, I was going to give you, you know, a pass. It's a momentous occasion, because now next time <laughs> I can just let it go, but this time, since it's the first time, I did have to mention it. Um, yes. All right, we'll see if we can move forward in the future. <laughs> yeah, no, we'll, we'll be able to. Yeah, catch me out, twitch.tv slash Tyrannus. If you want the spelling, figure it out. <laughs> uh, we also have our googly-eyed friend, Ian Lydicus, back. Oh, you didn't know? Well, your ass better call somebody! You know him, you hate him, you can't stand to hear him. Back once again, it's Ian Lydic. Hey guys, check out my podcast, War Merc. So right now, in 30 seconds, you're going to pause this, you're going to type in War Merc wherever you're listening, and you're going to subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, then you're going to download, delete, re-download. In an upcoming episode of Lore Merc, we're going to be breaking down the Brotherhood of Steel from the Fallout universe. Are they good guys? Are they bad guys? Are they something in between? Why are they on the West Coast and the East Coast? Are they in the Midwest? Huh? And we're going to find out why they have all this cool technology they won't share. So once again, that's Lore Merc, Lore Merc, Lore Merc, R.I.P. Pugsley. Did, did you write that down? Like, I have to no. know. <laughs> no, I didn't. That's not bad for just off the cuff. Oh yeah, no, I, I've been practicing that one. I did it like <laughs> six times in the car. I, well, I had to well change done. it up though because half the time I did it, my voice hurt. And I couldn't <laughs> talk afterwards. All right. Uh, he told me he had something good for an intro, and he did not disappoint. Yeah, it's, it's what we've been missing. <laughs> 
Listeners uh, missed the part where Brian clearly regretted having this happen. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure I will say that numerous times over the course of this episode, so it's it's fine. <laughs> uh, all right, so guess what? We have another Star Wars episode, just par for the course for us. So strap in. This is probably going to be a long one, especially with these two. Like we we're notorious for having very long Star Wars episodes, so be prepared. Just, just fair warning. Um, so I have a lot of stuff to get through. I I. Try, I'll probably summarize it and stuff as we're going, but there there has been a leaked script for Star Wars Episode Nine that hit, and this is a prior draft back when Colin Trevorrow was uh, attached to direct and stuff like that. So we'll, we're going to go through a little bit of the timeline up front, and then we'll I'm basically going to read the uh, summary that I found on the internet and just kind of I, it's a good talking point. So I'm just curious what people think about it. These guys have not read this; they've been staying away from or at least avoided it at first wasn't didn't really care i brought it up to them the other day if they had listened they or read it uh if they had read it they had not so uh, i'm just gonna sort of read it to them and we'll see how it goes story time with papa brian that's right i'll do uh, it in asmr style do it what style asmr yeah i'm not gonna do that <laughs> <laughs> so we're beginning at today right now 2020 rise of skywalker's come out it's another Star Wars movie that has gotten very mixed reviews, even on this show. I feel like we've had very varied opinions of what this movie is, how we think. Um, if you follow the production of the movie, you'll know that there this is another Disney-era Star Wars film that has struggled behind the scenes. Rogue One's script was apparently being heavily reworked. Depending on what you read, there were other directors that brought in to finish the film. Solo, I think, had the worst of it. Those directors were fired three weeks left of production to go and a new director was brought in to reshort the reshoot the majority of the film keeping the same release date which is still boggles my mind why they didn't delay that movie uh episode nine started with a different director before citing creative differences and jj was brought back to write and direct i feel like funnily enough the the movie that seemed like it didn't have any director shakeups or really behind the scenes issues that went public was the last jedi and that's the one that people seem to point to is like everybody is very divisive and controversial um, but going back all the way to August 2015, coming off the massive success that was Jurassic World, Colin Trevorrow was announced to be directing Episode 9. Not only that, but he would be writing the movie with Derek Connolly, who also wrote with him for Jurassic World. In December of 2016, Trevorrow and Colony su submitted their first draft for Episode 9 to Lucasfilm. And then on December 27th, 2016, Carrie Fisher passed away. Now, while working on episode nine and having the edit, having to edit the script around Carrie's passing, Trevor was also working on another movie of his own, The Book of Henry. When The Book of Henry was released in June of 2017, it bombed horribly. And right around then, his future with Star Wars was beginning to get called into question. We started hearing rumors that Kathleen Kennedy wasn't happy with his script. In August of 2017, Jack Thorne was brought on to give the script a rewrite. And after his draft, it was reported that Kennedy and Trevorrow were both unhappy with whatever he did. Trevorrow has reportedly tried to, or at that point, wanted to offer to take another stab at the script. But then in September of 2017, Trevorrow was let go of the project and replaced by J.J. Abrams literally a week later. Um, I also want to keep in mind that all this happened before the release of The Last Jedi in December of 2017. So it's not like Lucasfilm was pivoting based on the reaction of The Last Jedi. This was all before The Last Jedi came out and just, you know, pissed everybody off or whatever it did. Um, 
Now, as the story goes, J.J. came back to direct. J.J. and Chris Terrio wrote the script, and eventually got we got The Rise of Skywalker. I bring all of this up because the internet claims to have gotten a copy of Trevor and Colony's first draft of Episode Nine. Now, the differences are striking. I think, if nothing else, it's a glimpse at what could have been. It's something I kind of just wanted to talk about after reading it. What I thought would be fun is to present to these guys, since they haven't really followed this as closely as I have. So, for the script itself... Uh, filmmaker Robert Meyer Burnett, who, if anyone watches Collider or Schmoes Know and stuff on YouTube, he's made appearances on there and stuff. So he's he's connected to Hollywood in that sense. He posted two videos to his YouTube account. In those videos, he claims to have gotten the first draft for Trevor and Colony's script. Uh, and before you start thinking there's just an internet rumor, there does seem to be some validity here. The AV Club website claims to have confirmed that the same script that he has gone through is real. They claimed it from their own independent sources. And it seems like most people that have been asked about the credibility credibility of the script either agree it's real or agree that Burnett is connected enough in Hollywood to actually get his hands on it. So for the sake of argument, we're just kind of saying this is legit because it all kind of still puts points to a guy on YouTube saying I have this and this is what I'm reading to you. But as much as the inter- can, internet can confirm, this seems to be true. Official sources like Disney, Lucasfilm, Colin Trevorrow, representatives, all that stuff, they will not comment on rumors or speculation. So they're not confirming or denying anything here. Um, I also want to stress that there's no guarantee that the script would have ever gotten made as a final version of the film, because things change during production. So for comparison's sake, we'd have to look at the first draft for Rise of Skywalker in order to see how much stuff changed between that and what we got in the theatrical version. Um, It's apparently been reported by people working on the movie that there were a ton of stuff cut or shortened for the Rise of Skywalker. So there's probably a lot there. All the plot points and uh, explanations, plot holes that we've addressed in our review and discussion since, a lot of that could have been addressed in the script. we just never seen it. Um, with all that out of the way, my plan for the episode, again, is to just sort of read this summary of the script to Mike and Ian, just, you know, get a sense of what they think as we go. The most co- coherent summary I could find was on Star Wars Newsnet. Um, the original Reddit post about Burnett's videos had some just bullet point stuff. It had a little bit more dialogue um, that he had gone through. So I've tried to compile the two sources and just make one, I, I, hopefully a good idea of what the story is. Um, and I told these guys before, but I'll tell them again now. If you guys have any comments or questions while I'm reading, just stop me. Otherwise, I'm just going to keep going because this is fairly long for me to get through. Hopefully, I'm reading this well enough that you're all not completely lost just listening to me. Um, uh, and then the one last note I will throw out, uh, I will throw out a spoiler warning. So if you have not seen The Rise of Skywalker and maybe to a lesser extent, Clone Wars and Rebels cartoons. We will be comparing the script to The Rise of Skywalker, so we'll definitely be talking about spoilers from Rise of Skywalker. This script does give some connections to the animated series, so if you haven't seen those shows and do not want certain plot points and stuff spoiled for those cartoon series, uh, I feel like the need to warn you that there will be stuff talked about there too. So at this point, I will throw out the spoiler warning just in case, um, just going forward for all that stuff. Uh, hang tight if you want to just keep listening. Spoiler warning to follow. Spoiler! Spoiler! You know, something like that. Alright, so if you're still listening, we're gonna, you're, I'm assuming you're just in, you know on for the ride, so we're going to keep going. The script that Burnett has, it has an opening crawl, so I'm just going to read you the crawl and just go on through 
everything else that they have. So the title of the movie, Crawl Open, Star Wars, Episode 9, his title for the movie was Duel of the Fates. The crawl is as follows. The iron grip of the First Order has spread to the farthest reaches of the galaxy. Only a few scattered planets remain unoccupied. Traitorous acts are punishable by death. Determined to suffocate a growing unrest, Supreme Leader Kylo Ren has silenced all communication between neighboring systems. Led by General Leia Organa, the Resistance has planned a secret mission to prevent their annihilation and forge a path for, to freedom. Alright, so Trevola's script takes place and opens at the shipyards of Kuwait, where the First Order is building a fleet of Star Destroyers on the backs of an oppressed workforce. It sounds like the construction takes place, at least partially, on the moon, and the completed Star Destroyers are then fueled at an orbital ring connected to the moon via an elevator that transports raw ore up to the fleet. We're dropped straight into the action with Rose Tycho and BB-8 infiltrating the moon. BB-8 is even painted like a First Order droid for the mission. Finn and Poe are infiltrating another section of the shipyard. The plan is to cause an explosion in the elevator to the orbital ring to jam things up and blow up the shipyards and the First Order's new fleet. Burnett calls the dialogue incredible and very Star Wars. There's fan service. <laughs> I tried to eliminate all the stuff of like Burnett's opinions, but yeah. <laughs> trying to set the stage for sort of what's coming. Um, there is some fan service lines such as Poe saying, okay, we'll blow this thing and go home. According to Burnett, it all works very well. So what doesn't work is the hero's plan. The First Order is on them, and the blast is contained, so there's no further damage to the shipyards and, and the ships. They are captured by, or captured and brought before, a new character called Admiral Vaughn, who tells them that their outdated tactics are pitiful. It sounds like here is where Rey makes her entrance, casting off a Tusken Raider disguise and ignited her double-bladed lightsaber staff, forged from the remains of the Skywalker lightsaber and her staff. Children in the workforce are odd and recognize her as a Jedi. Burnett doesn't say it, but the fact that the children in the workforce, there, there are children in the workforce, and Rey was able to disguise herself as a Tusken Raider suggests to me that the First Order is using slave labor, which certainly fits with Burnett's description of the workers being oppressed, given the, you know, opening, giving a sense of how the galaxy is under the First Order. Thinking on their feet, the Resistance Hero come up with a new plan, which is to steal a Star Destroyer. Burnett says the sequence feels really Star Wars, calling it reminiscent of Han Solo's rescue at the start of Return of the Jedi as the team battle their way across the shipyards to take off with a new Eclipse-class Star Destroyer. As the heroes make their escape, a new ship arrives, the Knife Nine. The ship belongs to the Knights of Ren. They are not happy with Vaughn's failure to capture the Resistance infiltrators after demanding answers Atasca Wren kills him, which I'm guessing is one of the Knights of Wren, maybe by name. Okay, can I cut in there for a sec? Sure, yeah. Um, they were definitely going to rename that. The Knife Nine is a... It's a bad name. <laughs> uh, I'm just cutting in. That, that's, a, that's a weak fucking name. But I Are there wanted... nine Knights of Wren? I don't know if I ever counted how many there are. I think there's like There six. would have been. In okay. this movie, though, they would have made them nine. Oh, Maybe. Because that's the name of the ship. It would be weird otherwise. Right, it would have to be, I'd think. Well, I mean, uh, it's the ninth version of the ship. Would I mean, like, like? Oh, that could work too. Yeah, I could see that. Isn't that how ship names work in all these things? Is like. That's yeah, the I guess model. if you yeah if you're going if you're going numerically, well, that's it's, it's the ship model. Maybe I don't. I got the sense it was just the ship name. They just named it that. So I don't know if it'd be the ninth iteration of the name. I don't, either, regardless. Oh, so maybe man. nine slaves died building it. They got or knifed. Like they got <laughs> knifed. <laughs> knifed nine people. Yeah. 
nine people were knifed in the production <laughs> of this ship. Um, there was only seven, but we wanted nine to be in the number, so we did two more after it was built. <laughs> this would have been nice because it would have given the Knights of Ren something to do finally. Yeah. Yeah. And we would have learned one of their names. Yes. I mean, they, their names are known, though. But, like, you gotta go outside the movies, right? Yeah, you yes. gotta go to, like, probably, like, visual dictionaries and stuff like that to find... Well, there's a comic, actually, right now that... Oh, they do name them in there? I mean, they, I believe so. Okay. Like, they were gonna be following the story of, like, Kylo and the Knights and such. Yeah. So I assume they would give them names and not just, hey, you with the this helmet... Knife one, knife two. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I mean, it could be like the you know first si- first sister, second sister. I don't know. They might be like yeah, the first night, yeah. second night. I'm not sure. Uh, all right, picking up the story. Story continues and cuts to Coruscant, former capital of both the Republic and the Empire, last seen celebrating after the Battle of Endor, is no longer the vibrant city we knew. New structures, including a First Order citadel have been built atop the old skyline whilst the people are crushed under the boot of First Order rule, scavenging to survive in the planet's lower levels. General Hux is now Chancellor Hux and is addressing the people. They have caught a traitor, Biskova, guilty of aiding the Resistance and stealing the Star Destroyer from Kuwait. Hux has Kova executed by a light-bladed guillotine for his crimes. That's badass. Yeah. Like, they, they never... That's the other thing. Like, one, that guillotine sounds badass. But I feel like a lot of time in the Star Wars movies, they never show you that it's, like, a bad thing to live under the Empire. Right. Yeah. At most, it's, like, it's normal. It's, like, this looks like the same life you would have lived anyways. <laughs> like, Luke would still have been living in the desert doing moisture farming shit regardless of who was running the galaxy. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, they, they, so, they I didn't... Mean, go ahead, sorry. Uh, this just would have been like, oh, maybe it, we should have a resistance. Instead of, like, kind of with the first three, it just seems like Luke got swept up into helping out this princess he barely knows. <laughs> yeah, this is very much ruled by fear. This is the demonstration of that. And I think that's what people have been asking for, is, like, actual dark Star Wars, kind of? like Yeah. Gritty, almost. I don't want to go gritty, because that's such a tainted word now, <laughs> but... Just something, like, they haven't done in these movies before. Yeah. Right. And, you know, the argument's to be made, I think, because Star Wars is always geared towards kids. It's always said to be for kids. But something like this almost feels like an adult-oriented Star Wars movie. I think there's very adult things that happen in this script. So maybe that's something that held them up from, you know, letting it be made. Mm -hmm. Uh, I also can imagine I would be very um, questioning of a light-bladed... Like a lightsaber guillotine, like is it powered by a fucking kyber crystal or what's going on in there? Well, I mean, you see a little bit of something like that in Last Jedi with the Executioner stormtroopers when Finn and uh, Rose are captured. They're about to be beheaded by like axes that have like light blades on them. Yeah, but I looked at that more as like energy beams than the same thing that's coming from a lightsaber. Okay, well, yeah, I guess I would have referred to that as like a a light uh, blade. Not like a lightsaber blade. I feel like those are two different things in my mind, but... I mean, I guess it would have depended on, like, the visual presentation of the guillotine. Yeah. If yeah. it looked like a lightsaber guillotine, I probably would have been pissed. Like, they just they just taped the lightsaber up on this thing. <laughs> just drop it. <laughs> <laughs> just like... Well, I wonder if that would work. way to do it. Like, if you just... Because you don't really, I guess, with a lightsaber, need to put, like, force behind it. If it's just dropped right. out, it's still cut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, 
Oh. Like like the point of using strength with a lightsaber is to knock another lightsaber back. It's not mm-hmm. like anything it touches just goes. So, yeah, it would work. Or it could be like that scene in the one Resident Evil where like the I'm, that's going off the rails. But you guys know what I'm <laughs> talking about in that the first Resident mm-hmm. Evil movie. Yep, that'd be a cool execution. Oh yeah, there. yeah. Uh, all right, so Hux and Commander Selleck then proceed to meet with a group of warlords in a scene that Burnett describes as reminiscent of Imperial's meeting on the Death Star in A New Hope. The warlords are allies of the First Order, and they demand to know where the Supreme Leader is. Where is Kylo Ren? Hux cannot tell them. He knows that... All he knows is that Ren is searching for something. So Kylo's search leads him to Mustafar and the Temple of Darth Vader. He is sporting a beard of stubble that he's clearly been searching for a long time. A Darth Maul-inspired droid is his only companion. At least the only one he wants. Luke Skywalker is also with him, haunting him, trying to convince him to return home to Leia. Luke says, this is where the dark path leads, an empty tomb. Kylo quick, retor- uh, Kylo quick to retort, and where did your path lead? You're a ghost. Luke tells him the, tells his former student he knows that he still feels hollow despite the strength that Snoke promised him. In return, Kylo tells Luke he will become the most more powerful than any Jedi, even him. It's a line strikingly similar to Anakin's own declaration in Revenge of the Sith. Inside the temple, Kylo finds a Sith holocron, not a wayfinder, I may add. <laughs> I and, a message, for that. <laughs> and a message from Emperor Palpatine to Vader. It's a message instructing Vader to take Luke to Remincor, to the Remincor system, should he succeed in striking Palpatine down. There, they will find Tor Valum, the quote-unquote master of the Sith who instructed Palpatine. Apparently this is an interesting choice of words, but Burnett does does clarify in his second video, because he put up two videos, that Valum is not an actual Sith Lord. A Sith Lord? Yeah. Sorry. Uh, At this point, the Holocron scans Kylo and realizes he is not Darth Vader, and it blasts him with a bunch of red lightning, causing him to scream in agony as the dark energy spreads over him. You think it would do that before... It tells you the message. Right, yeah. <laughs> Ideally, sure, yes. For the sake of the plot point, well, we're going with it. I feel like a Wayfinder would have been programmed that way. <laughs> yeah, I feel, like, I feel like this definitely sounds more Wayfinder-ish. Uh, and then we cut to Resistance Base on Korolev, where Leia can feel her son's pain. Chewie and Lieutenant Konix are with her and tell her that the team has returned. They're all shocked when the Star Destroyer lands at the base. Ray has mind-tricked the First Order troops on the bridge, and Leia has led them away, leading to what Burnett describes as a funny scene between Leia, Poe, and Rose as they try to explain how they stole a Star Destroyer. As Poe and Rose debrief with Leia, Ray confines in Finn that she doesn't think she can live up to people's expectations now that she's been being recognized as a Jedi. When Finn asks if she can still sense Kylo, she confides that she is having nightmares. Ray says, every night I wake up screaming. There's something between us and I can't explain it. Finn says, I, you have to shut him out. He can't change. It's too late. Ray says, it's never too late to change. You taught me that, Finn. At this point, the Resistance realizes that the Star Destroyer is full of weapons and vehicles. All they need now is an army to use them. Studying the Jedi texts, texts she recovered from Octo, Ray discovers that there is a communication system from the Old Republic located under the Jedi Temple on Coruscant. Connected to 50 other worlds, she believes that they could use this to send a signal for aid. Like a force, I guess it's, re- it's referred to as a force beacon. Finn doesn't believe a system 
that old could still work, but Poe tells them that the old Republic technology is way better than the junk they have today. Best of all, the Force Order won't be able to block as it predates their technology. It's a long shot, but Ray observes, hope is all we have left. Ahead of the mission, Ray continues her Jedi training. Luke appears to her as well, pushing her to become stronger in the Force. Meanwhile, Kylo Ren has arrived back on Coruscant. He's badly injured following the blast from the Holocron, his face deformed like Palpatine's. He's having Mandalorian armor smelted to his face. I guess be just from the damage of being shocked and electrocuted. Once this is done, he dismissively confronts Hux, telling him, I don't need titles. Back on Korolev, Ray is arguing with Luke. Balance? The dark suffocates the light. Light extinguishes the dark over and over and over. How is that balance in the Force? When Luke says he knows that anger, both he and his father had it, Ray retorts, so says my master, and his master before him, a thousand masters so eager to tell us how to live. The next exchange is interesting and looks to build off some of the themes of dialogue from The Last Jedi and carry them through to set up the finale here. Ray says, I've spent my whole life wanting a family. I've got one now. I won't abandon them. Luke says, the Force is speaking to you. Ray says, maybe I'm not who the Force thinks I am. Luke says, who are you? Ray says, I am no one. Luke says, if you really believe these things, then maybe the last Jedi is dead. And Ray says, maybe he is. On Coruscant, Kylo tells Hux that he has to leave again. He continues to show his disdain for Hux, telling him that he has no need for his grand displays or titles. When Hux asks if Kylo found the power from the Sith, Sith tasks, tasks, why can't I say that word? Texts. He replies that it is within his reach and that the, the ability to destroy a planet will be insignificant. His final instruction to Hux is find the resistance, wipe them out, and leave the girl to me. Before leaving, Kylo has one conversation with Vader's mask, telling his grandfather he understands him now, his weaknesses and pain. You allowed love to cloud your judgment, he says, before throwing the helmet from the balcony to shatter on the streets below. On Korolev, the heroes are ready to set off on their respective missions. Before she leaves, Rey has one last conversation with Leia. Rey is lost. She doesn't know what her path is. She doesn't truly know who she is. But she still tells Leia that she thinks she can save Ben. Leia sadly tells her, I believe that once, like you. There's good in all of us, but the boy I knew is gone. As Rey leaves, Leia offers one more piece of wisdom. My whole life, I've heard about balance. I don't even know what that means. You're not like my father or my brother. You're new. Whatever happens, Ray, remember the Force chose you. Your story isn't written by anyone else. And I think this is a cool callback to what Kylo says to her in Last Jedi, is that you have no part of this story. I agree. So I like some of the dialogue that, that we get here. Yeah, it, um, it feels... Like, they're definitely playing into that so far. Like, I I'm enjoying your, your telling of this story so far. Well, that's good. <laughs> I'm glad to see that it's completely different, really, so far uh, than what yeah, we Yeah, and it, it, I mean, at the very least, this lets me be this is, the reason I like this, I think, a lot more is just because it, it definitely plays with the seeds planted in The Last Jedi and leads them somewhere instead of trying to just ignore them and go forward. Yes. So there's a lot of setup and payoff between the two movies. It feels more cohesive that way to me. But again, we'll see where this ends up and if we still feel the same way at the end. Fair enough. Uh, uh, so from here, the story follows multiple threads. So we'll be sort of bouncing back and forth here, cutting between each as it builds towards the finale. Kylo Ren travels to Remincor, 
seeking out Torvalum. Ray, along with Poe, Chewie, and BB-8 goes in search of a seer who can help her discover her path. Finn, Rose, R2, and 3PO set off for Coruscant to light the Force Beacon below the Jedi Temple, and Leia seeks out old allies of her own. Kylo Ren arrives on Remincor, a world Burnett describes as feeling similar to Exegol. As Kylo makes his way into the Stone Fortress, he is surrounded by death, the remains of a great battle from centuries past. As a reminder that whilst the Jedi pass to the Fourth, the Sith do not. Inside the fortress, a chamber filled with the broken parts of filled with the parts of broken starships, he meets Torvalum, described as seven thousand years old, an ancient alien of unknown origin, spindy and tense, sinew and muscle pulled tight. Valum is not a Sith Lord, but some kind of teacher. He's an ancient being with arcane knowledge. When asked if he trained Darth Plagueis, Valum says the name means nothing to him. He says, You wish to obtain the power of those who came before. Take your place among the gods of Mortis. It's a statement more than a question. When Kylo confirms that he does, Valum mocks him, saying, You call yourself a Sith, but the Sith are unrepentant, remorseless. You are haunted by the past, your very existence. Kylo claims he has no no regrets, but Valum sees through the lie, telling him that until he can sever himself from the past, his fate will be no different than the dead warriors who littered the battlefield beyond the fortress. But he does agree to teach him. He says, The living force is nourishment. The more one consumes, the stronger one becomes. To take life is to cheat death. The ability he teaches Kylo is vampire-esque. The power to consume life, literally draining the living force from his opponents. Isn't that from the second Sword game? The guy with the mask did that? Pretty Ooh, sure he maybe. was draining the life from all the planets. That's why you had to beat him. You mean Nihilus? Yeah. Yeah, that's what Nihilus would do. Okay, so now now I know where he got this script from. So <laughs> you just ripped off KOTOR too. You can now see it. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I, I guess that's a cool ability, though. Like, it's fun than just having lightning, but I guess it could be hard to, like, demonstrate it, you know? Like, you I mean, have they to, did like... the opposite with what we actually got, didn't they? As opposed to, like sucking the life force out of something, they were putting it into something. Right. And then, of course, Palpatine does it to them at the end. Oh, it'd be cool if you, like, did it and it actually created holes in people. <laughs> oh, dude, I, I would love that. Like, the scene in, um, was it, X-Men 2? Mm-hmm. Where Magneto pulls the iron out of his blood, if it was something oh, like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, one thing I want to make note here, too, and this is more that, uh, some Clone Wars stuff here, but Mortis is a connection to the Clone Wars animated series. So anyone that's watched the Clone Wars should recognize the name drop. Uh, Mortis is featured heavily at the end of the story. So I know Ian hasn't watched the Clone Wars, so I'll, I'll just kind of ask you, I guess, as someone who doesn't know anything about it, do you want more of a summary now, or do you just want to see how the script plays out and save questions for later? Just, is it a planet? It is a planet. Okay. Well, no, no, sorry. No, it's like a, it's what? Like, oh, God. like a <laughs> monolith that sort of floats in space. Less of a like that, there's planet okay. stuff insides, but it's it's that 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 works as a term monolith. I guess is a good way to put it. Some sort I of structure. It, it's less yeah, of a planet. I, I okay. wouldn't say it's necessarily a naturally occurring thing. Yeah, it it's kind of like a Bermuda Triangle type thing that shows up at random times, and somehow people get sucked into it with without really meaning. Like it, the Clone Wars episode where it's featured. Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Ahsoka end up there, but they're not going there. They, it just kind of finds them and mm-hmm. calls them there. Um, 
but it has to do a lot with like the balance of the force in the universe happens mm-hmm. at this place. So that's basically like they tried to give the force itself a home. Yeah, actually, that's yeah. probably a good explanation for it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, get, I got it now. Uh, all right, I'll continue. The across the galaxy, the resistance team has managed to bypass the first order's blockade. Of course. Uh, as we saw before, it is not the world we remember from the prequels or the last shot of Return of the Jedi. Now we go deeper underground, truly seeing those downtrodden and oppressed from the First Order. As they enter the lower levels, 3PO remarks, I'm afraid all my knowledge of Coruscant is limited to the upper levels. R2 beeps an indignant response, prompting 3PO to reply, Elitist? Where do you even learn that word? As they come to the Jedi Temple, it is a shell of its former glory, fallen to ruin those forced to live as scavengers sleeping rough and around oil drum fires in the temple grounds. This doesn't look like the Jedi temple to me, 3PO remarks. A sad reminder of how things used to be. As people look at them over the fires, R2 bleeps at his old friend. What do you mean I stand out? 3PO asks. Another beep. Gold is ostentatious. Leave the vocabulary to me, you glorified mechanic. Some of the dialogue, like the little bit that we get a dialogue between 3PO and R2, I love it. Like mm-hmm. there, there was not three PO and R two enough in Rise of Skywalker, and I, I miss it. I didn't realize how much I miss it until reading some of this. Yeah, the two of them belong together on screen. Yes, yeah. With their full memories. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's more on that later. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is Babu Frick still in this? But th- that's the only. This script is missing Babu Frick, and I'm Fuck! so. No. That's the one thing I was like, God damn it! Well, good Maybe thing they didn't make this. Maybe something better than Babu Frick that we just don't know about, like, like guillotines. It leads so <laughs> where where um, three PO's loss of memory in the Rise of Skywalker ultimately leads nowhere. One of the droids loses their memory and and needs repaired in this script, and it leads to a, such a great payoff that spoilers. Yeah, I, well, I'm just I'm teasing. this story right now. Teasing. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, on Remencor, Kylo is using the beasts around the fortress to hone his new abilities, draining the life force from them. With each life taken, he wants more. Then he sees the cave and senses something. Valum tells him it's a virgins in the force. Putting on his mask, Kylo enters the cave. In a scene reminiscent of The Empire Strikes Back, he is confronted by a vision of Darth Vader. A brutal duel ensues, and Kylo loses. Angry and disoriented, he emerges from the cave. What little patience he had is spent. He demands Torvalum tell him the way to Mortis. Mortis, according to Valum, is, quote, the well of the living force, the source of the galaxy's birth. So, Ian, you nailed it. Uh, Kylo Ren is not worthy, yet. Refusing to be denied, Kylo turns turns on Valum, using his own techniques against him, and drains the life force from him. At the same time that these two arcs have been playing out, Rey has traveled to Bonadan. Here, she finds a seer who is able to pull a star chart from her mind. It is from one of her visions of Kylo Ren, and Rey believes it shows her where she must go. Back on Korolev, the First Order have been able to track the stolen Star Destroyer to the Resistance base. Leia and the others are able to evacuate in time, making the stolen vessel the new headquarters for the Resistance. Under the Jedi Temple, the Resistance team succeed in finding and activating the Force Beacon, igniting it via a giant kyber crystal underneath the beacon, and allowing R2 to project a message from Leia across the galaxy. Burnett describes 
the scene as being written like the beacons of Gondor from Lords of, from the Lord of the Rings. It was she Leia's message go out across the galaxy. Our voices will not be silenced, she says. We can no longer live in the shadow of the First Order. We must step into the light. The message is cut short by the First Order somehow, um, who are able to stop the transition transmission. Uh, but it is heard. From the Bendu monks to tattooing, Leia's message reaches across the stars. Even Bosk, the former bounty hunter now seen living like a king, and Temeri Blog, broom boy from The Last Jedi, in the stables of Kanto Bight, even hear the call. With the beacon down, Finn, Rose, and the droids flee into the Undercity. On Bonanda, uh, ben- I can't wait, bon- Bonanda. <laughs> Bonadan. Bonadan. Yeah, I said it right the first time. Why I can't say it now? Uh, the Knights of Ren have found Ray and Poe. There is a chase across the sea with Ray, Chewie, and Poe sailing a razor sail as the knights attack from the Knife Nine above. The chase culminates in an epic duel between Ray and the Knights of Ren. Ray has visions as she fights and kills the knights. She has seen them before. Even though they have never met, she knew who they were. After the conflict, she is upset, shaken by what she has done. I had no choice, she tells Poe, who does his best to reassure her that it's okay. See, I don't get that, just because I know with uh, Rise of Skywalker, people were just killing stormtroopers constantly. Yeah. I'm just surprised she would care about killing people, because we had like a lot of deaths, I feel like, in this. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, that's... That, I think that's any Star Wars movie. It's like, all the all the villains just indiscriminately kill innocents, and mm-hmm. yet all the heroes that we root for indiscriminately kill the bad guys, so... They, no one questions who they're killing half the time. Like, it's a war. It, yeah. It's what happens. Well, I mean, yeah. right, right in The Force Awakens, like, even after she meets Poe, somebody who reluctantly was a stormtrooper and learns his story of every, and everything, we still see her just, you know, gun down stormtroopers on Takadana. Yeah. So... Yeah, how do you know all the people she killed there are not like Finn? Right. want to be redeemed. You know. Yeah. They're, they're just doing it out of fear, and she's just like, fuck you anyways. Dead. I feel like that would have been something they would have changed in the rewrite, I'm hoping. Yeah. Uh, Alright, so according to Burnett, the script so far has teased a potential romance between Ray and Poe, with her gently turning down his advances as it's not the right time. <laughs> now, in the aftermath of the battle, she knows she must continue alone, so Poe refuses to let her go alone, even at her insistence that the Resistance needs him. So Ray tries to use a mind trick on him. Poe resists. You'll leave this place and go back to the resistance. Ray keeps repeating, getting closer and closer until she can touch his face, until she can finally kiss him. At this point, Poe's will relents, and Ray's mind trick works. Poe takes the Falcon and returns to the resistance with Chewie and BB-8, while Ray takes the Knife-9 to follow the star chart pulled from her mind. So was she... Can I cut in? Yeah. Was she setting up Poe to be able to manipulate him? With the, you know, the potential romance between them that they would tease up to that point? Or is this something where, like, Trevorrow just decided, like, oh, we're going to set this romance up out of nowhere? And... Well, I think I think the movie itself, if if because we don't obviously have the whole script, and I'm just going off of what I read. I think that probably there's parts in the script that Burnett maybe had read or, or refers to where the two of them, they, they hint at the romance probably earlier on in the script. So I don't mean like in the movie. I mean like in the series up to this point, like a Ray and Poe thing was never 
implicated because they never even meet until the end of Last Jedi. Right. And yeah. I think people I just were just going like based off that meeting. Of like, that's just completely out of nowhere to me, like a, a Ray and Poe thing. But, I think it goes with the whole, like, Poe being, like, the Han type, where he would... more, But they treat it more like a, um... Ah, uh, fuck, what's his name? Shatner thing, where he'll fuck anything that moves? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I believe Poe would be like, yeah, sure. Yeah. But I don't see there being, like, that thing between them. I mean, honestly, for me... I felt like the the two seconds we get with Poe and Ray at the end of Last Jedi, I was like, "Yep, I ship it. I'm in. Let's see where this goes." I was ready for it. I th- really? I was hoping Rise of Skywalker would do that, and it did not. I was still hoping that they they would have like Finn and Poe get together personally because I, that I, was there. Yeah, there is more. Uh, I think stuff you can point at in the movies, especially some of the books too, where it seems like Poe and Finn could have something. It's 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 a very fine line between bromance and romance that I can't tell which way they were going to end up in this in episode nine. Well, I still always refer back. Oscar Isaac himself said he played it romantically, purposely, intentionally. I, yeah, I, that's his that, own yeah. words. So yeah, yeah. I just I I don't feel like they had the balls to pull the trigger on that. But. Oh no, they didn't. They definitely didn't what, have the balls to pull I the trigger. I feel like that's like with the ending when they had the two girls kissing. That would have been them if they would have like. Had, like decided to go through with it, you know. Yeah, but like they were like, I think had that we can moment have girls where kiss. like like Finn and Poe like, just finally give in, and yeah. they're like, fuck <laughs> it, I am really into you this way, dude. Yeah, and they're like, bro, but they knew that bro, they would have gotten so it. many letters. Um, anything else to add, or I'm gonna keep going. I just, I, I don't know, like. I, I, I never shipped the the Poe and Ray thing personally. That was okay. So that would have bugged me. It'd be in a thing. Well, if you if we would have in this movie, if they were leaning towards that, if you if you would have started getting hints of that romance up until this point, would that would have been better for you, or still seem like it came out of nowhere? Out of nowhere. Like because you're like, still led to believe like time passed between this and the last Jedi. You don't know how much time, I guess, based right, on the script. But but I mean, like if you're gonna have a romance form in a movie trilogy, you don't start in the third movie with it. Well, that's fair too. Yeah. So. Uh, Alright, I'm going to continue. Uh, where was I at? Uh, as Kylo Ren leaves Remencore, Hux contacts him to inform him that the Resistance slipped past the blockade and tried to send a message out to the galaxy. Hux believes they must respond with a show of strength and wants Kylo to show the galaxy the new power he has acquired, saying his absence has been has emboldened their enemies. But Kylo cuts the, cuts the transmission and heads for Mortis. In the lower levels of Coruscant, Finn and Rose get to know the underclass who have been oppressed by the First Order. To Finn's surprise, this also includes more former stormtroopers, like himself, including some he knew from his training, who now feel lost and no longer support what the First Order is doing. Together, they begin to stoke the flames of an uprising. In a cabaret club on the planet Aliform, there are no customers left. The droids and serving staff are cleaning up for the night, and at a table, the club's owner is sitting, counting the credits. Uh, a man in his element, Leia says, as her shadow falls across the table of credits. Lando Carizian jumps up and tries to kiss her hand as Leia brushes him off. He tells her she shouldn't be here, that most of the clientele is first order these days. It's not what he'd prefer, but what can he do? Leia tells him they need help. She wants him to bring the smugglers together to help the resistance. Lando reveals that he promised Han he'd take care of her if anything happened, prompting Leia to joke, What? You take care of me? 
Landa's response of, I know, you deserve better. But he can't protect her from the First Order. Leia says, come on, fight, come with me, fight with us. Lando, no, we won a war once already, and what good did that do? That's very it's true. Late. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing with Star Wars, too. It's like, they never actually fix anything. <laughs> they never win. It's just another battle somewhere down the line. Uh, as he takes Leia back to her ship, he kisses her forehead and tells her that he'd do anything for her, but apologizes and say he can't help in this fight. In an unknown part of the galaxy, Rey arrives at Mortis. Space is black with no stars to be seen. In a call back to the Clone Wars, the Knife Nine loses power as she approaches and crashes onto the surface. At the same time, Kylo Ren arrives at a different part of the monolith. So I guess they refer to it as a monolith here. So that's I think that's where I got the that's what I would terminology. Call it. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, what else are you gonna call it? Yeah. Uh, on Coruscant, Finn and Rose lead a civilians uprising in the square around the First Order Citadel. As the battle begins in the ground, Leia and the Resistance arrive in space with the stolen Star Destroyer. Poe and Chewie are with them, and Chewie even pilots an X-Wing in the space battle above the city planet. Uh, Back on the surface, Rose is captured and tortured. She remains defiant and manages to escape. Back on Mortis, Rey is climbing an icy peak, with wind and sleet buffeting her as she attempts to reach the summit. At the peak, she finds ancient statues of rogue figures that are not Jedi. As the wind and snow whip around her, she's assaulted by a vision of Jakku, of herself screaming as a child as her parents are dragged away from her. She sees her mother try to run for her, but her father holds her back, telling her it's too dangerous. Her mother's words reach her. Wait, we'll come back. You'll understand, we'll come back. Back atop the Mortis Peak, Ray is screaming, igniting her lightsaber and shouting into the void, demanding to know why they didn't come back for her. As Rey is confronted by her past on the mountain, Kylo is confronted by his in the woods. He sees a house with a smoking chimney, and a young boy dressed in black robes approaches the door. It's himself as a child. He opens the door. His father appears in the doorway and asks Ben what he's doing. So young Kylo says, that's not my name anymore. Han says, your mother can't see you here, not like this. Young Kylo, I'm not coming back. There's a greater destiny for me. Han they're lies, son. Empty promises. You have everything you need right here, right now. Kylo says, What? You? Her? My master says I have an unequaled power. Neither of you understands. Han says, Your mother understands. More than anyone. Kylo says, She sent me away. Han says, To learn. To grow. Young Kylo says, I have grown. Han says, Your mother loves you. Kylo says, She's afraid of me. Han says, Give me the lightsaber, son. Kylo says, you know I can. As Han reaches for the lightsaber, the vision changes to show Han's death in The Force Awakens. And then Kylo begins to climb the same mountain that Rey has just scaled. This I like. This is a really cool callback to Force Awakens and just seeing that little, like the flashback thing, bit of it, I think works. I don't, I don't want to say better, but it's a cool take on the same scene that we sort of get in Rise of Skywalker. Kind of like the do-over. Yeah, it's a similar scene. And I think that's obviously where they got it for Rise of Skywalker was this. They just altered it. Yeah. And made it into what they did. But this, I, I like this. Uh, Alright, so after cutting back to the Battle of Coruscant, Rey and Kylo Ren finally meet at the Mortis Temple at the top of the mountain. As they confront each other, Kylo tells Rey to get out of his head, saying she won't like what she finds there. He proclaims... That he is stronger than Anakin, stronger than Luke. 
but Ray counters that he is still afraid, not of her, but of what had become. The dark side has left an empty husk, she says. Kylo tells her he doesn't have to be, she doesn't have to be alone, or he doesn't have to be alone. With the powers of Mortis, we can rule the galaxy as the ancients did, the dark side and the light. You think I'd still join you after what you did to my family? Were you going to tell me? Weaken me with the truth? I know what you did. Deep down, I've always known. My parents didn't sell me for drinking money. They were hiding from you. It's the first time Kylo appears stunned in their verbal, verbal duel. So you remember, he says, as we flash to the vision from The Force Awakens with Kylo and the Knights of Ren stood in the rain. Snoke made, me his, or made his orders clear. Find anyone who could destroy him. It didn't take us long to find you. You blame me for your life on Jakku. You should thank me for it. You were safe. Wait, does this imply that, like, he killed her parents? Because I feel like they're not that different age-wise. Yes, yeah. this this is the next line. He confirms to Rey that he did kill her parents. And, yeah, so I think, which, I kind of like the twi this reveal. I think I think it gives a little bit more credibility to his conversation with her in The Last Jedi. Mm -hmm. of, of how he knows what happened to her parents. And it's basically just him omitting the part where he's the one that killed her. Or killed them. I, I get that, but I also tend to, like, agree with Ian. How old was he when he did this? Was he 10? I mean, because she's what? Like, in the, in that scene we see her, she's, I'd say, between she, 4 and yeah. 7. Right. Somewhere in that age range. And I could see him being, you know, maybe 6 years older than her ish and have it be right. believable but they seem very similar in age are we assuming a, he was a youngling and went off and did all this well it also I mean, it looks like when luke tries to kill him that he's not like that young either right yeah. well that could just be adam driver just looking old maybe they just didn't youngify <laughs> him as much as they could have <laughs> fuck you adam <laughs> yeah he's too he's too jacked <laughs> I feel like I, some I, of that doesn't add up. I'd like it mm -hmm. if there was a more evident gap in their age. I think there's a better way to, like, I think that's a better retcon than some of the other stuff they did. Like, I think yes. there's there's ways to explain that away and make that work in this story. I wonder if they would have just ignored it and been like, people won't think that hard except for the nerds. <laughs> yeah, well, that's pretty much anything <laughs> they do in Star Wars. They just don't sure. account for everybody analyzing it and dissecting it as much as they do. No, but that would have been a cool reveal compared to, I guess, what happened where it's just, oh, we ran away because Palpatine's a guy still. Right. Yeah. Because <laughs> Palpatine's a guy still. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. I guess he's more of a, uh, he's apparently the force itself, but the it's fucking weird. <laughs> I also liked with this, I guess, so far from what we know, they didn't uh, give us any spoilers in the crawl. Yes. Like Palpatine being alive is the first Yeah, sentence. right? <laughs> <laughs> the dead speak. For someone that has a, a very girl. secretive and uh, big plan just to announce to the galaxy that, yep, this is what I'm doing. Come get me. Come at me, bro. Like, that's... And his Star Destroyer fleet's not even finished yet. Right. And it's underground yeah. for some reason. <laughs> yeah, it's a mess. It's, yeah, it just comes out of the planet. What the fuck? I did, like, I guess with this, they were also going to have a Star Destroyer fleet thing. And I, I guess the only other thing I'm thinking about now that I brought it up, would it have mattered at all that they stole one Star Destroyer? Like, 
I think considering their lack of resources, that yes, that's a big deal for the resistance. For the first order, I don't. I guess it probably doesn't give a shit. They don't. Well, care. So they get enough stuff, but because it implies they don't even have enough people to fly it, so now that's literally their only ship. Yeah. Well, and and I had yeah. and I had a problem with that too earlier. They said that like they landed the star destroyer at the rebel base, and I'm thinking like, aren't star destroyers like really fucking big? Yeah. I, I'm I hoping feel that's like just like a be... wording thing. Yeah, I hope so. Like they, because, they like, mean they landing just a star destroyer or something. As far as I understood, you know, they didn't really land because landing gear would not hold that thing up. <laughs> like you would yeah, not land I it. Know. Well, even it trying to like enter the gravity and shit would be fucking wonky as hell. Oh yeah, the thrusters wouldn't work mm-hmm. against gravity. Like it couldn't enter the gravity field of a planet. But then it does on <laughs> Jakku in a smaller form. But it's the size of the city. Mm-hmm. It, or not Jakku on uh, Jeddah. Jetta in, in Rogue One. It's the size of the entire city. Yeah. So I feel like... Mm, I don't know. Well, I think that's why it's a big deal for the Resistance, because and it, I think they even said, like, their base gets destroyed, so that's their base of operations now, is the Star Destroyer. Right. No, I get that. Mm-hmm. It just... It seems impractical the way that they worded it earlier. Yeah, and maybe, you know, maybe that's just how it's written in the script, and it's more or less like, okay, this is what I'm going to write. Uh, when you make the movie, figure it out. We'll, yeah, we'll make it work somehow. Yeah. Uh, all right. So Kylo confirms to Ray that yes, he did kill her parents. He did murder Han Solo and millions of others, but he's not here for her. Kylo says, "All I want is behind that door." Ray refuses to move. Ray says, "You have to kill me." Kylo says, "I know." So that's like the throwback then, the "I know." Moment. Yeah. As opposed to "I love you" and "I know." Sorry, Raylo fans, you'll have to kill yeah. me. There, yeah, there is there. Yeah, we'll get there. Um, the their duel begins an epic confrontation of both lightsabers and force powers as they both try to take the living force from each other. The duel on the mountain top of Mortis is inter- intercut with the sky and ground battles of Coruscant. Like Han returning to help Luke in A New Hope, Lando arrives with a fleet of smugglers, including Bosk, to help turn the tide in the skies. I think I think they're le- I see your face, Mike. There, Bosk was mentioned earlier as hearing the transmission. I think we're led to believe that Bosk is somehow part of this line of smugglers that Lando was reaching out to. He's yeah, giving up the life of bounty hunting. It's so fucking random. Yeah. To be like, like why Bosk? Here's <laughs> Bosk. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, it'd be one thing if he just showed up, but, like, the fact they yeah, keep no. naming him specifically, <laughs> like, it's a, like, yeah, this like, huge fucking thing. Like, him being in the background somewhere in a scene, it's like, okay, that's fine. You walked past Bosk. Cool. Bosk being like this heroic <laughs> return. Who <laughs> comes back? It's like, why the fuck is Bosk here? We don't. Care. Bosk is the Bosk is the redemptive arc we've all wanted. Bosk is the Babu Frick. Oh <laughs> uh, fuck! No, he's Boromir. Oh Boromir. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. So even C three PO joins the fight, stopping a First Order astromech from sending a distress call, despite his protest that I'm not programmed for violence. What does that mean? I, I just want to know if CP3PO like does some technology thing, or he physically like does something to this droid. From from uh, now, I was actually this is a part of the video from Burnett that I actually watched, so he goes into more detail. But he was trying to summarize. It sounds like everyone's in battle. 3PO sees that an astromech is like in the wreckage of a tank, trying to send a distress call or something, and 3PO is trying to tell someone, "Take care of that." He's going to warn somebody, and R2 saying, "Like we're busy, you handle it." So he literally, like, runs over the battlefield to get this guy, and it sounds like he just starts tearing the droid apart with his bare hands. <laughs> like, just tries to, like, keep yanking pieces off of him to try... Like, it sounds very violent. 
especially for 3PO. Oh, gosh. Like going into the insides of this droid while it's still alive and trying to just disconnect the power so it stops doing what it's supposed to be doing. The whole time he's apologizing to the droid <laughs> because he's not programmed for violence, which sounds like it would be hilarious. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this sounds like classic 3PO and R2 <laughs> stuff that we needed. <laughs> Um, so that was, yeah, that was what I got for that one. Um, on Mortis, Kylo screams at Rey that he could have been her teacher, recalling his offer on Starkiller Base. Lashing out, he strikes a blow across her face, cutting her from cheek to forehead. Rey drops to her, drops her lightsaber and screams, crying tears of blood as she falls black, falls back down the stairs of the temple, blinded by the attack. Back on Coruscant, R2-D2 is blown up. His head is scorched. There's emotion like we've never seen from 3PO. As Chewie, who must have landed his X-Wing somewhere over the course of the battle, scoops up the torch remains of R2-D2, straps them to his back as he once did 3PO on Cloud City. Uh, Kylo Ren has entered the Temple of Mortis. The statues of the Ancients look down to him as he seeks for his prize. There is an empty stone slab, nothing more. Kylo rages as he searches desperately for the power he sought, slashing at the statues. You've lost, Ben. Kylo turns to see his uncle. Luke tells him that Anakin's love for his family saved him, as that he wishes he could have done the same for his nephew. When Kylo spits back he that he did what he had to, Luke replies, you are no Skywalker. As Luke speaks, we see glimpses of the Battle of Coruscant raging, all of our heroes as they fight to free the galaxy. We see Rey sensing Luke, tearing, a fabric, tearing fabric from her robes and creating a blindfold for herself. Luke's voiceover continues, you can't defeat us all. I'm not alone. Obi-Wan was right. The Force surrounds us. It penetrates us. It binds the galaxy together. We are bound by the Force. We are one, and we will not be broken. As Luke vanishes, Rey enters the temple behind him. Rey says, Our masters were wrong. I will not deny my anger. I will not reject my love. I am darkness, and I am the light. In reply, Kylo again tells her that she is nothing. She is no one. Rey says, No one is no one. It's a line apparently Poe refers tells Rey earlier in the film, and now she draws strength from it. They ignite their lightsabers and begin one final duel. That's how you would have known they were in love because of that line. <laughs> yes, yeah, that line would have worked uh, to cement that. I'm also like, I don't know how I feel about them just rehashing Kanan again uh, with her being blinded and then just, like, I don't know. Yeah, that's a like, little bit we, of a... I feel like we've seen it. Yeah. Uh, on Coruscant, Chancellor Hux realizes that the tide has turned. Though the battle still rages, the First Order has lost. Now, this is something I thought was cool. I'm just... This kind of comes out of nowhere because there's no... Apparently the film hints at this, but this is the first time we're going to mention this. So I'm going to see how you guys think. Throughout the film, Hux has been trying to use the Force. He wants the po the power that Kylo Ren has. And it's now revealed that he's basically a big Jedi nerd and has been collecting lightsabers and Jedi relics. And now with the First Order crumbling around him, he picks up one of the lightsabers he's kept. A purple-bladed lightsaber and stabs himself and kills himself. Seppuku. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, this is literally some Japanese World War II shit. Yeah. That's, that's uh, like, like, I, like I like I said for a bunch of these things. This is a lot darker than I think yeah, any Star yes. Wars property would have gone before. Right. So yeah. I can see why we did why <laughs> Kathleen Kennedy didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I I enjoy it a lot because it's yeah, so pretty far, badass. So yeah, I like that it gave Huck something to do. Like he's a character that I I wanted mm -hmm. him to do something, especially in Rise of Skywalker. Right when I thought he got interesting, they killed him. Because I think this, like, also brings up, like, how in the original trilogy, where they talked, like, the, the Sith, the Imperial commanders always talked shit, to, well, tried to talk shit to Darth Vader, 
right. about his dead religion and weird shit. And like, if you're there's only like say like five of these people in the galaxy or whatever at this point, you would of course try and use that power that basically lets you be the ruler of the universe. Right. Like yeah. why why wouldn't you? And I think it's cool that he's like, well, I still can't use it. We're about to lose. Fuck it. I'm going to kill myself with uh, Samuel L. Jackson's lightsaber. Because <laughs> yeah. I have to assume that's his. If it's a, yeah. uh, That's why they mentioned it's purple. Right. If they're specifically saying it's purple, we only know of one purple lightsaber. So Supposedly, yeah. So, yeah. That, yeah, that think, would be interesting. I, and that would have been a fun like thing throughout the film of like you slowly see, like you start to see Hux like slowly try to secretly move his hand and like open doors mm-hmm. and nothing happens and like stupid shit like we all do yeah i was yeah. gonna say like we, all of us like yeah like once a day i just test just to be sure I mean, I guess, happened, <laughs> you know if it was less dark it would have been nice to see kylo fuck with him by moving some of the stuff to like make him think he was getting the power <laughs> see now that's comedy right there that would be great <laughs> just see kylo like move his fingers just a little yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, Ray and Kylo are evenly matched as they duel in the temple. Neither gaining an advantage until Ray is able to shatter his hilt, taking a several of his fingers with it. Kylo looks at his hands in disbelief. Ray separates the two halves of her staff. She glows with the energy of the living force. Kylo clenches his teeth, his eyes furious with rage. He extends his hand and begins to rip the living force from her. Ray screams as her life energy leaves her. The force flowing from her to him, healing Kylo as the metal falls away from his face. Looking at the temple, he tells her the power of Mortis can't be taken, but it's nothing compared to you. As he continues to drain the life force, uh, Ray calls him Ben, pleading as Luke did on the second Death Star, it's not enough. On the Star Destroyer over Coruscant, Leia feels the disturbance in the force. She reaches out and asks her son to come home. It's at that moment that Kylo feels love and realizes it was Anakin's strength, not Vader's weakness. He takes Ray's hand and reverses the flow of the living force, Light and dark energy swirls through them both as she begins to heal, and he is reduced to a husk. With his dying breath, he tells Ray her full name, Ray Salona. Which I feel like should have some impact, but that that name is nothing. But at the same time, I guess that's the whole point. It's a she's a no one. Her name is brand new. We have no idea of any type of lineage. It doesn't matter. Uh, lying on the stone floor of the temple, healed but still wounded particles of light begin to surround Rey. She floats up with the energy as light engulfs the frame and we are transported to an astral plane. Glimmers of energy flicker in the darkness and Rey is greeted by Luke, Yoda, and Obi-Wan Kenobi. Rey asks if she's dead. Obi-Wan says, in this place, there is no such thing as death. Yoda says, taught us much you have. Yoda explains that Rey has succeeded where they have failed because their point of view was too narrow. Luke said, you chose to embrace the dark side and the light to find the balance within. And now she must make a choice. Remain here in knowledge, serenity, and peace, or return to the living, to a galaxy in turmoil, where she will know pain and suffering, but also love. Rey thanks them, and as they fade into the cosmic force, Obi-Wan's voice proclaims, you are a Jedi, Rey Salona, but you will not be the last. Back in the real world, at the Battle of Coruscant, the Force Order capital ship, Base ends up being a ship. As the battle continues to an, to an end, the First Order Citadel tries to take off, attempting to flee the planet. But Rose, presumably when she escaped being tortured, has messed with the coordinates in the nav computer. So as the Citadel attempts to jump to light speed, it hurls itself into a planet and is destroyed. I hope there weren't people on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> 
there's depending on what like certain sources had said planet certain sources had said sun this part of the script is a little wonky but the the main thing that i was reading off said planet so that's what i went with uh in the aftermath of the battle chewie is working on r2 with a repair droid as 3po watches on maybe this repair droid we could have just subbed in Bar- babu frick there that's yeah and that'd have been amazing yeah, just put him in for the repair Hey, yeah. Babu Frick here! You're <laughs> fucking crazy! Hey! <laughs> uh, I would have started clapping. Yeah. Uh, a quick cycle through his memory banks, and he will be his old self again. I hope. He tells Leia as he tells Leia as she approaches. I can't imagine what I'd do without him. I know he's stubborn, but I Trupio trails off as if he wants to cry. Leia assures him that R two will be fine. Kneeling down, she picks up his memory drive, which was rescued by BB eight during the battle. She inserts it to R2-D2 as she did in the Death Star plans so long ago. And this is the part that would fucking wreck me. As R2 boots up and cycles through his memory, we relive the entire saga through his eyes. Luke buying C-3PO, Obi-Wan passing on Anakin's lightsaber to his son, the Death Star trench run, the Yavin medal ceremony, Yoda lifting the X-Wing from Dagobah, Luke's salute to R2 at uh, Jabba's sail barge, Han and Leia's moment outside the Endor bunker. We live the entire saga. Prequels and all, everything through R2-D2's eyes. Leia is taken aback by the memories, R2 beeping affectionately as she thanks him. The film ends on Modesta, which I've seen a few people refer to as a callback to Modesto, California, where George Lucas is from. Uh, And we end on a serene ranch where Finn waits with a group of children. Rey arrives, ready to train the next generation of Jedi. Roll credits. So that is the first draft of... Colin Trevorrow and Derek Connolly's episode nine. I mean, but <clears throat> I don't want to like, yeah, that would be better. But in, in a lot of ways, I feel like that would have been a better movie. In a lot of ways, I feel like there's a lot of things that needed smoothed out in there. Well, let's before try the to final just go film. through stuff you like, stuff you didn't like. What are you, what are you comparing to what we got? I like all the suicide. <laughs> the, the one thing of suicide. No, it's because that um, uh, Kylo kills himself essentially. That's true. So, well, I think Kylo. Yeah, true. I guess Kylo. That part of it, I've seen a lot of people like reading the script saying, "Oh, no redemption for Kylo. Fuck it." I, he does have his redemptive. Yeah, that is the redemption. Yeah, to save her. Okay. When, there's there's no Raylo, so I think that pisses a lot of people off. For, but he's inside her now. <laughs> oh god. Um <laughs> I can't back. I, can't. <laughs> I mean I can't, he, 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 technically he's correct. Um Yeah, you can't can't discredit that. I think for me like that whole idea played out much better than it did in Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Like Kylo went full dark side, which is what yes. we get led to believe he's going to do at the end of Last Jedi. Like, yes. he has abandoned that opportunity to turn to the light. He has said, no, fuck that. We're going to do our own thing, my thing. I'm going to roll the galaxy, which is what the Sith do. And then in this movie, we get him becoming a Sith. You know, I mean, he yes. he gets scarred, just like all the other Sith that we've seen have. You know, well, at least Palpatine and Anakin, we see them get scarred up. I guess yeah. Dooku and Darth Maul don't really have that problem. Well, Dark Small didn't live long enough for it to happen. Fair enough. He would have been young. But then he is still technically around for a long time. But nonetheless, he doesn't 
it's different. He, he, he's death of Mirian. It doesn't go the same way. But m- moving past that, he gets scarred up. I don't know what the fuck putting Mandalorian mask on him is about. Like, I think it's just so you know what it looks like. That's why he described yeah. it like that. It's probably familiar, familiar armor or metal or something. Okay. That's what they're going for. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe if it was like the same mask that he wore before being put back on him, I would be okay with that. But going to directly to Mandalorian, it's like... Mm. I think I, I've seen somewhere that refers to like the helmet that he puts on in this movie is much more Vader-esque. Okay. So it's not a Mandalorian helmet. Okay. Um, but but I like that they take him that route. They let him go full dark side, and then at the very end, he gets that little turn back, the same way Vader did. Vader doesn't get a happy ending. Yeah, you know, I mean, right. Vader gets an ending, but he does not have a happy ending. And I think that's that was something that needed to happen for Kylo. And I feel like he gets too much of a happy ending in the Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Even though he's, you know, it's still his actual end, I feel like it was too happy of an ending. And I like that uh, we we get the payoff for Luke's final line in Le- The Last Jedi is, I'll see you around, kid. Yes. And we actually get that in this movie. He where does Luke see is the kid just, around. Yeah. He's just <laughs> fucking with him the whole time. Yeah. Also, like, the one similarity, I feel like, between this and the movie we got was where Kylo doesn't really want to run the First Order like from a military or actual government perspective oh, yeah. yeah, where he'd be better off letting like Hux or someone run it and just being like the shadow chancellor, like yeah. telling him what to do and not like being the actual figurehead because he does not care about any of this politics or nothing. He no, has to yeah. talk about trade agreements once. <laughs> yeah. It's he just, just wants like, the power. Yeah, he doesn't like, care about the bureaucracy. It's like he doesn't even need it. Like just go be force God on Mortis. Like why even have the first order? Yeah. And Mike, I don't know if I, I was led to believe the, the part of the movie or the, the script where Ray talks to Yoda, Obi-Wan, Luke on the on the what's referred to as an astral plane. That this is the world between worlds. Okay. That's cool. And like it, which if would, it was again, actually tie into the world Rebels, between which worlds. Would be, it's never referred to as that, but that's the only thing in Star Wars that I could think of that's like astral plane y. Right. So just the fact that it even has a potential to call back to Rebels, and especially all the connections we get to Clone Wars in this, is great. This has the most prequel connection stuff of any other Star Wars movie we've had. Like, everybody else just wants to feel like the prequels don't exist, but this ties back to them, I think, in a very, very good way. Yeah. I think... This I, this has a lot of good and bad, but I'm definitely more on board with where the story goes. I mean, like, giving the Knights of Ren actual shit to do... Having Lando say what he says, I feel like that's a very good point that Lando makes. We talked, like, we stopped briefly there where Lando's like, oh, we already won a war and didn't do any good, did it? Yeah. Um, and I feel like they explain everything. I don't feel like there's any major plot points here where I'm like, boy, how the fuck does that happen? Right. Whereas with what we got, it's like many major plot points. I'm coming out of that film like, what? The- Wait a minute. What the fuck? I feel like there's a lot of, like, like JJ and Kathleen Kennedy and stuff, like, they're all promoting Rise of Skywalker. It's like, well, the story had to take us to Palpatine. No, it didn't. Uh, this one kind of proves it. You, you, he's, not, he's a message in here. That's it. You don't need him. Yeah, as a message, it would have been great. And I feel like maybe 
boy, this sounds really bad to say it this way, but maybe they looked at it from a hype standpoint of being able to like generate good um, publicity for the film after The Last Jedi. It would be really easy to do if we threw Palpatine in in a major role. Ah, uh, yeah. And yeah, so, like, I agree. people are Completely. all after us after The Last Jedi, and then we throw Palpatine's laugh at the end of the trailer. Everybody's instantly back on board. Everybody's like, "Shit, Palpatine's back!" And it fan service, fan service, fan service. That'll give everybody chance to come back. You yes. could even do it with this, just since he appears in it. You could have thrown the laugh in. Like it wouldn't have paid off maybe as much for people because he <laughs> would have been just a message laughed afterwards. <laughs> But, you know, I mean, who cares? They they bought their ticket. Yeah. yeah. that That's very true. And I feel like, uh, you know, like, I wish we had gotten some mashup of this with what we got leading more towards this. Mm, sorry. Um, You know, just more in this direction. You know, yeah. a more polished version of this with maybe some of the touches they put into Rise of Skywalker that I thought were great. Yeah. Now, I, I want to at least point out there upon trying to research this kind of stuff, I, you know, you start clicking down the Internet rabbit holes and stuff. But within the last couple of days, uh, there was a there was a Reddit post that linked to the website Making Star Wars, where the author of this other article, Jason Ward, claims to have seen the second draft of what Trevorrow and Colony had done. Um, his article is much less coherent and it's very difficult to read. I couldn't confirm the validity, you know, validity of the script. I have no idea if it's complete bullshit or not. Some of the plot points line up with this one. Um, it features less of Leia, which makes sense because it would have been written after Carrie Fisher died. Yeah, of course, that would have caused issues. But, I mean, there are a lot of changes in there, too. Like, the whole second half of the script changes. Ray goes through some different stuff in, in the second draft, if it's true. So... But, I mean, again, d depending on whether or not you want to believe it's true or not, but I want to throw it out there. If you want to dive down this rabbit hole that I did, the stuff's there. So if you want to see whatever this second draft could have been, if this is true, check for making Star Wars and check their, their second draft. Which, second draft, I don't like as much. This this is much better. But some of the stuff I was reading, too, I think they it – was, it was more – I've seen stuff talking about, like, Bob Iger and some of the guys at Disney are saying like the the Clone Wars connections to Mortis and stuff like that that it was referred to as like quote unquote like inside baseball stuff like if you are not hardcore to Star Wars you don't get it and it, they weren't sure if it was going to be enough to attract general audiences to know what the hell was going on but at the same time if you give them a little bit of an explanation just enough to get them by in this movie and then someone wants to they, you know you happen to see the movie with a friend who has seen Clone Wars and you're like Man, that Mortis thing—I don't really get it. And then your friend's like, "Mortis, that's from that's from Clone Wars. That they tell you all about it." And then maybe it piques their interest to go watch more fucking Disney content. Sign up for Disney Plus. That's what you want, right? So this would help that. Yep. Without a doubt, man. And... But it's also—it's not like they explain like all that Palpatine stuff in the movie we got. No. They... True. It's just, yeah. It's just there. I I like, yeah. don't. Go ahead. It's just not even like the barest of explanations. It just occurs. Yeah, I was going to say, I yeah, have more questions true. about that than I do about this, and I didn't even see this movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, like, it, it's, you know, there's a point at which I feel like sometimes we're too critical of what we get, and then there's also times where you're just like, no, sometimes you need to explain things in a movie. 
and things that common are sense. You such... still need common sense in a movie. Yes, things need to add up, and when there's such a huge thing, like this person died the last time you saw them, but they're back. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, but we're not gonna tell you how ever, and you're just leaving it at that. That's it. What? Or yeah. hey, guess you remember that Snoke villain, guys? Um, well, there's some clones in a jar. Deal with it. Yeah. Like he's been pickled. Good luck. It, it it had a lot of like just what the fuck? Please explain this to me. Moments that it just didn't go into and I feel like this script doesn't have as many of those because it takes yeah. things that there is explanations out there for. So if you want the explanation like you're saying of Mortis, you can seek it out. It right. exists. If you if it was the actually the world between worlds, like you said at the end, you can seek it out. It exists. And again, Disney gets to make money when you go to seek it out. Because at least yeah. some people are going to do that. It's called brand synergy. Yes. Point you point you back to your own stuff that all you own all of it. I do wonder how long this was, like those first drafts. It feels like three hours worth of stuff. See, this felt short to me. Did it? Maybe Brian's to me felt going like a good. normal like two hour, two hour and ten minutes. <laughs> it just felt it's like, like it's a lot of back and forth. Like, there's, there's a lot, a lot of, of different planets. Plot stuff happening. Like it yeah, everybody on. is split up, so you you have to bounce around a lot to focus on the story, which I could see being confusing. Yeah, and that's one thing I do prefer over with Rise of Skywalker is everybody's together. Having that group together on screen is fun, and I like that dynamic. Splitting them up like this into separate teams and having them all do separate stuff is cool. I think it it work it makes sense from a like a tactical war perspective. Like you're not going to put all your eggs in one basket and just say you guys do this thing and if it fails, well, we're fucked. Like you have different well, plans going on that all could help each other and happen at the same time. That makes sense to me. Well, and they put a lot of things on screen together at the same time in Rise of Skywalker, but one of the things they didn't put on screen was Rose. Oh yeah, and this seems to give Rose a lot to do. So Burnett actually says in his video that he hopes Kelly Marie Tran never reads this script because Rose has so much cool stuff to do that like she it would be She'll terrible for her. Abrams. So yeah, Rose gets stuff to do. Finn's not fucking force sensitive. Where the fuck did that come from? Um, uh, that came from bullshit. Yeah, I'll stick to that the whole time. Like Finn being force sensitive, I still I don't like it. I'm um, like if it's there, it's a thing. Okay, whatever. It doesn't just be like, oh, I can feel the force too. Yeah. All of a sudden, in like your late twenties, early thirties, you're not like, wow, here it is. It's not. I think like, there's. I don't know. A lot of the stuff for me, I feel like a lot. A lot of it's just like, wow, this character actually, character actually did something in this script. R two gets something to do. Rose gets something to do. I feel like Finn gets something to do. Uh, Hux gets something to do. The only one I feel like got a little bit short change is maybe Poe. I don't yeah. feel like there's too much for Poe, but I feel like Poe could have had more in this script because Poe always needs more. Who yeah. like Poe is still my favorite character from this entire you know, sequel trilogy. Poe's a fucking badass. I Poe's awesome. Yeah. But he also he is he was a spice runner. Um so he well, was not in this script. A, what? Not in this well, yeah, script. Well, yeah, not not in this script. But in the one we got, he's he was essentially a heroin runner uh, in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, and that, that I, I don't know. They could have given him some other shady thing to do. Thief, 
is better than heroin runner. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, I'm sorry, spice. It, like, if anybody's listening and you're not really familiar, um, with the Star Wars universe, spice is really bad stuff. <laughs> like, it's really fucking bad. It destroys lives. It's very much like heroin in our world today. And they just like casually brush it off, like, "Oh, we've all done things in the past. I used to give people heroin." Uh, wait wait a minute it's like listen we've done things i was like abducted and turned into a stormtrooper you willingly gave people this shit so i didn't like that they added that to poe it didn't need it yeah but sorry i went off on a tangent i know we always no you're fine i i have pretty much i think said what i needed to say or anything any thoughts that i had i was trying to think of like stuff that i I don't like about this one that that I'd prefer over Rise of Skywalker, and I honestly couldn't think of a lot of stuff. Well, like that's I think weird at the end where like the first order, whatever that thing is, is also a ship. Like everyone's headquarters is a ship in this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and then a lot of it's just like it would in general need punching up. Like, of course, you're not going to go with the first draft of any movie. Right. 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 Which is why a lot of this is to be forgiven. This is a first draft. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what I try to, you know, say with a grain of salt. As, m- as much as we want to look at this and say this could have been the movie, this is would have been very far removed from what the movie could have ended up. Being. They would have cut all from... the suicides. Yeah, that would have been gone. Yeah, yeah they, the the suicides were gonna they weren't staying. Like, I'm sorry, Hux killing himself that was not gonna be in there. Hopefully, they would have cut Bosk. Um, <laughs> I forgot about Bosk. <laughs> Such a big role in this. And again, this was the script that they they put out before the Last Jedi came out. So, what would have happened to the script after the Last Jedi? Oh, so, God. I mean, we can't. We, got, we make know that what would have happened to this but... script after the Last Jedi. That's what we got. Well, like we know well, the end of no, that story. Well, because we got know JJ fired came on, and it got you know <laughs> like. Well, that's the thing. Entirely... JJ came on before Rise of Skywalker came or uh, uh, Last Jedi came out. So they were already pivoting to JJ before the Last Jedi. God. So JJ's script probably changed. Like I'd like to see the first draft of what Rise of Skywalker was and see how much that changed between what we they started with and what we ended up seeing in the theater. Um, but the changes they would have made to this script, I'm curious to see how that would have ended up post Last Jedi. I feel like if this would have been basically what they would have made, we would have got a lot of people complaining about how much fan service is in it by referencing the old stuff. Even though it works and gives connections, I think people would have criticized that. Like, go yeah. make your own fucking thing. Like, don't just take all <laughs> Lucas's good ideas. And now that's I'm wondering if in that there. R2, that's, that's that R2 flashback, if I would have gotten to see Jar Jar. Does R2 re- can somehow... Yeah, he sees Jar Jar, oh, right? Yeah, he yeah. would have. Yeah. The Nubian ship together. Quite yeah, a bit. yeah, okay. Yeah. I would have wanted that real. I would have like I mean, fucking started <laughs> so, smiling the shit. Knowing how much that would have pissed people off that they brought Jar Jar <laughs> back and Bosk. <laughs> so, so Jar Jar and Bosk in the same movie. Oh god, <laughs> billion dollars right there. They could have had Power Jar Jar team. hanging out with Bosk because we don't know <laughs> Jar Jar's fate technically. He's also a king. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so here's the thing, like. That whole R2 scene would have been awesome. Mm-hmm. You mean, I picture them starting that out with, like, Padme cleaning him from his own point of view. And then going somewhere along the line from there. And getting, again, that, that fan service. But in an interesting way. 
because it's coming from a yeah. perspective we've never got before. Right. We're not getting to see the same scene. We're getting to say, oh, holy shit, they're giving us this from R2's perspective. From knee level. What? Well, it's one thing... Knee, because he's shorter. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also... the one thing that the, the movies, like the movies themselves, I don't think ever acknowledge. 3PO's mind has been wiped now twice. R2-D2 has remembered everything. Mm -hmm. Everything. He's seen some things. So, yeah. Being able to call back to that and be like, yes, he has witnessed everything. He's just been really quiet and mum about certain stuff that he probably should have told people about I guess, earlier. I guess technically the only stuff that R2 has not seen is what was in Solo. That's it. True. Yeah, true. Oh. Yeah. Now I'm wondering, though, like, I feel like that would have been a cool trailer for this. Like, showing what built up to this all the eight other movies. That would have been a fun trailer to put out. Like, his, this is what we were called. This is what we were finishing. All this shit. Yeah. Remember this? This was cool. And then it just ends with the Empire laugh. I'm just thinking of, like, the marketing standpoint from, from what Ian said about, like, R2 being at people's knees, where you just see, like, people's <laughs> knees run past the frame in the prequels, people's knees run past the frame in the original trilogy. <laughs> they would have had to reshoot all of that to be like, <laughs> you gotta eat this! <laughs> I feel like you would get, like, like I said, like, the, the close-up of Padme cleaning him from the first one. Maybe, like, a, a look backward when he's dragging 3PO's head in the Clone Wars, because who wants to remember anything else from that? Uh, or from Attack, Attack of the Clones. Sorry. Um, you know, maybe, maybe something about, like, him fighting off the buzz droid. Because so, it's on his level. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, so, like, yeah. in Revenge of the Sith, you get him fighting off the buzz droid. Or, like, him witnessing from... Because isn't he on the ship that Obi-Wan takes to Mustafar? So maybe he could witness the beginning of that battle? I'm pretty sure he is. No, he's with Anakin at that point. He goes to Mustafar on Anakin's ship and then comes back with Obi-Wan. Oh, okay. So still, we can get his perspective seeing that fight from a, a distance. Yeah. From a higher mean, ground. Yes, from the high ground. <laughs> <laughs> um... And of course, like, you know, A New Hope, you get Leia kneeling down in front of him, making the recording. I'm just trying to think of things that would be on his level that, you know what I mean, like in each movie where there's something. Like you said, like, pulling up, like, walks. Yoda's on his level. We could get the look at Yoda pulling up the X-Wing. Well, really, too, when R2's, like, in tripod formation, his legs are back, his camera tilts upwards. So wow. I think he sees a lot more than we think. I, I mean, they probably wouldn't have sh shown it from ceiling. his perspective, I'm sure. They would have just right. showed the actual clips from the movies. Yes, yes. They wouldn't have refilmed all of it, but We're I think it would be cool if they did. We're analyzing here. <laughs> How cool would it have been if they did, though? Uh, this is fucking Star Wars. Cool. They could have done that. For Not Star the Wars, they could have done it. The budget <laughs> this movie fucking had, they could have done it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, probably. I mean, um, there's a lot of cool shots we could have got in that. But yeah, I, I can already tell you, if they would have done that scene, that scene would have wrecked me. Mm -hmm. I would have been bawling at the end of that movie. Yeah. Um, I like how they don't, don't explain know. how they shut off like the beacon. Like Poe clearly says, like, there's no way, it's old technology. How can you fuck with old technology? And then they shut it off like immediately. So there's, yeah, there's, <laughs> I actually cut it from my summary, but the the... Star Wars Newsnet article that I was reading from has a line between Hux and Kylo where Kylo says something like, what, you can't tell who shut off the beacon? Like, it sort of seems to refer that Kylo did it, but through the course of the script, 
there's nothing that says how Kylo did it, so I didn't want to just put that in there and really confuse you guys. So Ian caught it anyway. I was hoping to just blow past it. <laughs> but yes, there's there's something that happens that they cut the transmission off, and I guess you're led to believe it was from Kylo somehow, but that's still not explained again how he did it. Okay. But it's one of the, like, this is one of the things I didn't like, because, like, in Rise of Skywalker, it's just implied they sent out the message, and that's good enough for me. I don't physically yeah. need to see them activating some weird transmission device that, if it's so old, how is anyone even picking up the signal anyways? Like, <laughs> I, didn't, I, don't, I didn't need that, you know? It's just, it, that was weird. My problem with it, with, with Rise of Skywalker and that whole thing, is that everybody who answered that call ignored the first call from Crete. Yes, I agree. And that's why I think it's dumb. They called out from Crete, like, hey, come help us, guys. And everybody's like, nah, we're not going to do that. And then all of a sudden, when it's calling out for help to go to Exegol, they're like, okay. A bigger threat, a, a more powerful enemy. And now they're like, yeah, you know what? We're, we'll come for that. Yeah, that sounds yeah, like fun. We could have stomped all this out. We have how many Star Destroyers? Yeah how, many, yeah, how many Star Destroyers? We have to fly through what to get there? Yeah, let's fucking do it. Yeah, and we're following Lando this time instead of Leia calling for help. Yeah. Like, mm. That's the biggest thing for me. Is like They used Leia's private code at the end of Last Jedi, which if anyone is going to rally around someone, Leia's the person to do it. Lando goes out, and he's like, hey, come on, let's go. Everyone's like, yeah, let's do it. Like, the, Maybe like that's, that why, that's why Lando Leia. was late, is he was out there. He had to like actually individually like win a game of Sabacc against all of them <laughs> in, when they lost. That, that's when they had to go. Which apparently he did in like six fucking hours, because that's what the time they had before the countdown started for... Like, they yeah. give you a time stamp on how quickly the Emperor is supposed to attack. And it's like six hours, and he shows up with that many people. Well, I mean, what? it's a relay message, so, you, I mean, you're reaching a lot of people all at once on, like, a private channel or whatever. But again, these are the same people that just a few years earlier completely ignored Leia. And it, yeah. like, that that's a big issue for me. It's like, what the fuck is that about? <laughs> yeah, I get it. D. Williams is cool, but come on. <laughs> well, as yeah. we got with this script, we found out... It wasn't that bad living under the First Order at first. There were no slaves yet. So by the time Rise of Skywalker happens, they're oh, slaves. Okay. So people rebelled. They're child slaves <laughs> building ships, and they got Tusken Raiders doing stuff without sand. It's a, it's a horrible universe. <laughs> That's the bar. <laughs> child labor and Tusken Raiders not on Tatooine. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, people were like, wait, I'm seeing Tusken Raiders, and they're not on these shitty sand planets? Okay. Hold like, on. You can are they even sand Mutiny. people then? I guess that's why that's why we call them Tuscan Raider, Tuscan Raiders. And is, not that, sand is that the proper name? Yeah. But, like, uh, is there any now? tusks, Tuscan Tuscans to raid? That's a great question. If they're not on the place where Do you, I don't, I don't know why they're called Tuscan Raiders. I mean, I guess they're Tuscans and they're Raiders. Maybe that's what it is. Works for me. Did they film like that scene, like out in Tuscan, like Arizona? <laughs> Tuscan. <laughs> you, you think that's Arizona? You think that's what Arizona looks like? You think it's called Tuscan? Well, yeah, but they got to change it up where people would notice. Oh, so it can't be Tucson. It's got to be Tuscan, Arizona. It's got to, yeah. <laughs> oh shit! All right. Uh, any final thoughts? I've pretty much gone through. I just thought it was going to be a fun look. That's all. Mm -hmm. Not we. It's it's kind of like a i don't know if it's like a catch 22 like i i wanted to know what this would have been but now that i know it it's like god damn it i wanted this and it just 
somehow holds Rise of Skywalker to still kind of a crappy light for me, I think. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not going to disagree. Like, it, this would have been better. Like, if they had worked on this and, you know, fine-tuned it, it would have wound up better in the long run. Ian, I can't I think I, I mentioned it, and I'm just kind of going off sort of what your some of your Twitter responses have been. You pretty much liked Rise of Skywalker? Yeah, right? it's my favorite of the trilogy. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, I liked it for what it was. I My hype was not nearly as high as everyone else's. Especially yeah. coming after The Last Jedi, so I wasn't, like, expecting a fucking masterpiece. It's also part of my process before with these Star Wars movies of being more like, I'm just here for the ride. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get what I want from the movies. Like, I want KOTOR-esque level shit, or even, like, yeah. this first draft where it's a lot darker. And I know I'm not gonna get it, so I'm much more in the, I'm gonna ride this wave. So, yeah, there's <laughs> issues with Rise of the Skywalker, but I'm fine just ignoring them. Like, I don't need to know, like, why would you program Star Destroyers like this? This seems like the dumbest fucking thing to have one <laughs> beacon send out instructions to all your fucking ships just so they work? What the fuck's <laughs> up with that? Or, like, if you have a bunch of Snokes growing, why'd you only use one? Why aren't there ten Snokes running? Like, there could all yeah. be, like, Chancellors or Counselors. But, no, I'm just gonna enjoy it. It's fun. <laughs> Babu Fick is fucking amazing. Who cares if he ran Spice? You know, fuck him. Fuck it, he, he didn't sell the drugs to people, he just moved Spice from one place to another place. Someone had to do it, you know? Did and they? I mean, the yeah, I mean, physically, someone would have to move it. And I mean, yeah, my not only... if they all said no and they all had morals. Yeah, but this is, a, this is a universe where it's not a perfect world. Someone would have done it. Yes. But um, I guess my only real issue is... They hint the fucking double-bladed lightsaber, and I never fucking get it. Like, double-bladed lightsabers are so cool. Like, they show us in that, like, scene she has where she thinks she goes dark, but she never fucking makes it. Unless it's, like, implied at the end that she has it, but she doesn't turn it on, so it doesn't count. That's my only real issue. She definitely has a double-bladed lightsaber there. But I'm so convinced of that. That is a double-bladed lightsaber in her hand, and she only ignites one side of it. That's yeah. what I'm She's hoping. She's got a full-on so cool. Bastila. That and, I guess the only thing, because it was like the end of the movie and I'm really thinking about it and I'm like, this is a thing that annoys me, where she hides, like, Luke and Leia's lightsaber. I'm like, Just hold on to them. <laughs> Why are you hiding them? It's symbolic. I think it was like, yeah, I was going to say, like, that was like a memorial kind of thing. Just build a statue. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it put the, the sabers in the statue. Like, do that at least. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it for what it was. This would have been... I would have liked this a lot, too, what we just read. I would have taken out a lot of the stuff I liked from it, like all the dark stuff, because there's no way a mainline Disney movie for Star Wars would have that. Right. Yeah. If I ever get, like, that HBO show where they do, like, the underbelly, CD hut consent law stuff, amazing, can't wait. But for mainline Star Wars, I wasn't getting that. So I know a lot of this would have been cut that I really liked. This still would have been fun. And I think I would have all those people complaining about Rose would have been super pissed of how much she got to do in this. That yeah, would have made me I, happy. I kind of love that. that yeah, I kind of yeah, love that. That'd have been a fun exchange on the internet for a while. <laughs> seeing how these dudes complained that they gave her almost more stuff to do after the last one. Honestly, that's what Disney had to do if they not not shut people up, but just be like, "Fuck you! You're complaining about these for the wrong fucking reasons, and you're all racist. So we're just gonna do what we want. Fuck you." I mean, I won't. Instead of seeming like they adhere to what all the 
man baby crybabies were doing on the internet and being like, oh, you don't like her? Oh, sorry, sorry. Well, let's let's relegate her to nothing. I feel like with that, it just that's how it happened to play out. I can't imagine they actually gave into the internet people because if they did, I would have gotten a lot more out of Rise of Skywalker that I really wanted. Like we would have bought Revan back. He had been in those voiceovers. <laughs> I would have gotten Darth Jar Jar. Like I would have changed a lot of things if I knew I just had to make ten thousand Twitter saved bots. That movie for me. How cool would that have been if instead of the Emperor, it's Jar Jar? <laughs> instead, of, instead of the Emperor's, like, evil laugh at the end of the trailer, you get something along the lines of, like... Misa the, back! The cr- the, yeah, Misa coming back! And, 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 yeah, and, the, and then it turns, like, something like the the cry that he does when he leaps up into the air to jump into the pool at the beginning of Phantom Menace. I can't do it, but it's crazy. Like, I can't even attempt it, but... It would have been fucking hilarious just to give, like, that little hint at Jar Jar coming back instead of the Emperor and have people just be like, nope, fuck it, we're never going to see this. Yeah. Fuck it, fuck you. And I know they didn't mention this in the script we read, but I'm assuming they would have had it, but, like, I would have liked if they mentioned, because they don't mention, like, seeing new aliens or the weird animals that are make, really make the Star Wars universe feel alive, having all yeah. these different things going on. Yeah, I mean, all this, that's got to be in the background and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know. I almost, yeah, I almost felt that's more like set dressing. Like if you're if you're if you're in the bowels of Coruscant with like rundown homeless people and stuff down there, I feel like you could throw a bunch of aliens in there. And if they went there and they didn't even at least show a sign for level thirteen thirteen, I would have been pissed. <laughs> <laughs> that that like reminded me when they were there in Coruscant, like in the first Kortar game, where you go to like the bottom of Terrace, I believe, and you see yeah. all the poor people down there, and you can like steal their money and make their lives hell before the planet gets blown to shit. <laughs> well, even then, when you're whatever the first, yeah, is Taurus the first planet? I can't remember. Yeah, or yeah. Is that so you T-Lo? can go down yeah, like yeah. with the swoop bike gangs there. Yes, swoop bike gangs. Why don't we have that? Swoop bike races. <laughs> it, but they have like the underworld going on, and I was like, honestly, I I was hoping for more things like that coming from the Mandalorian. I was hoping for that darker, grittier stuff to mm-hmm. be there in that series. And, and don't get me wrong, I still really like what they did with the Mandalorian. But instead of that, we got Baby Yoda, which I, I, you know, I'm okay with that. But yeah, I feel like I was hoping that the Mandalorian was going to be much rougher around the edges than it is. I, I, that would be my only like complaint about it. We might be able to still get that. Maybe that's season two. Maybe they're working up to that. Contact Zack Snyder. Get him. In yes. Season two. Thank you. He would save that. Release the Snyder cut. Cowards. Oh, here we go. Cowards! Go. Create create the Snyder Cut for the Mandalorian. That's what you're looking for. <laughs> Let's just let Zack Snyder edit stuff. In general. Just add shadows. It's <laughs> 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 <Just> like that. <laughs> I need someone to do that for Rise of Skywalker. Just add a bunch of dark shadows everywhere. The guy would come out and be like, that's the greatest movie of all time. <laughs> uh, Alright, any final thoughts? I think that's it. That's all I got. Oh, guess with this too, that we don't get that chewy moment with the metal. Yeah, the the chewy moment with the metal is important. That was really yeah, they, cool. I can't remember if I read that some. Maybe it might have been the second draft that I read where they finally give him something, some okay. sort of come up like a medal or something like that. Like, yeah, I did, che- yeah Chewie's I been a fucking hero since the Clone Wars. Like, mm-hmm. give and, this man a medal. Like, and with this, we don't well, end up back on Endor, which I think is nice, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like when they do new stuff too. We don't always. Although the one thing, 
One thing I guess I don't know if I liked as much too is when the when Ray gets contacted by the other Jedi that died, Obi Wan, Luke, Yoda. It, like, is anyone sad if if they went that way? That if Anakin's not there, I feel like Anakin should have been there. Yes, that would be. Anakin Force Ghost should have existed in this yeah. in any cut that we got of this. Anakin Hayden Christensen back as a Force Ghost because we get his voiceover in Rise of Skywalker, which I appreciate. Yeah. But if you're going through, like, if especially if you're connecting to the prequels and stuff like that, and taking a little bit of that redemptive arc in this movie, I think Anakin being there with Luke and Yoda and Obi Wan, even I don't, it wouldn't fit for the story because it's Ray's story at that point and what's going on. But just some sort of interaction between Luke and Anakin or Obi Wan and Anakin, something like these people haven't seen each other since they died, and now they're back together. Well, wait, wait, wait. they see each other at the end of Return of the Jedi now. Okay, f- fair. And, and they fair. just kind of give that like weird smile and stand thing. I guess I've always just wanted that conversation to happen. And I feel yes. like with this, it's those three because they're like the teachers that have passed down. Sure. Like all of the knowledge has come from oh, them. So right, that's right. why it's them. Okay. Like yeah, it'd have been cool to see Hayden Christensen get some work again, but <laughs> you know, the, all the people he could have taught, he killed. <laughs> fair. I, I'll buy that. I will buy that. Well said. <laughs> uh all right i think that's it Are we good yeah yeah i mean good I, I would have enjoyed seeing this so. like once again it's always I, I would like more star wars please make more star yeah. wars yeah 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 and i mike and i have said that too we're like regardless how we feel about the rise of skywalker in the end we still love star wars give me all the star wars mm-hmm. yeah i mean a, a star wars film i'm not very thrilled with is still more fun for me than most films. Yeah, like, yeah. who would want to watch King Kong instead of Star Wars? And that's a good place to wrap it up <laughs> before we go down that road. Uh, if you've enjoyed the show, please support us, leave a five-star rating and review, give us a share on social media. Uh, you can follow us or subscribe to the show. Check us out on Spotify, iTunes, Google. We're hosted on Anchor now. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, search Brygan and Superfriends, or go to facebook.com slash Superfriends. You can send us questions, comments, topic suggestions there. Uh, attempt to email, email us, Superfriends at gmail.com. It's there. I don't check it. Feel free. Leave us something. I'll get it three years from now. Uh, tweet us on Twitter at BG Superfriends. That we'll see. That we'll comment and talk to you. And on behalf of Ian, Mike, and myself, thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Love you guys.